everything starts at the top. It starts with me. It starts with how I act. Am I living in my core values that I'm preaching to everyone? Or am I setting a really shitty example? People are at the core of every successful personal injury law firm. From employees to clients, how you show up informs your community and impacts your bottom line. It's not about one person or one ideology or one vision. It's really, if you share these core values, you share these core beliefs, you truly in your heart are authentic. And guess what? People know when others are inauthentic and people know when it's not truthful. And then on the flip side, they know when it's real and, and when it's genuine. And, and that really makes a difference. You're listening to Personal Injury Mastermind, where we give you the tools you need to take your personal injury practice to the next level. In the past decade, Reza Torxadeh, super lawyer, has won over $150 million in judgments, verdicts, and settlements. The past decade has seen explosive growth for his firm, Tork Law, across 12 physical offices in nine states and over 60 virtual offices. The firm has recovered multiple eight-figure wins, including a $26 million verdict, the largest in California history. But his success is due largely to metrics that are harder to measure. Core value guides every decision Reza makes, from community engagement and marketing to staffing and scaling. I sat with Reza to find out how values guide hiring, when digital marketing really works, and creative content marketing that instantly makes your firm the authority. I'm your host, Chris Stryer, founder and CEO of Rankings.io. We help elite personal injury attorneys dominate first page rankings with search engine optimization. So let's get to know our guest. Here's Reza, founder at Torque Law. When I was in college, I was actually a bio major and I thought I wanted to be a doctor and go to medical school. And I had dedicated everything I did in life to getting into medical school. Uh, I drove an ambulance one summer as an EMT. I did research on medicine at the medical school at UC Irvine and ended up publishing an actual research paper. And I got to my last year in college and realized I'm not smart enough to be a doctor. All joking aside, you know, I just felt that there were things that I was better suited doing. I loved people. I loved being able to help people and as cliche as that sounds. And so in my last year in college, I was really kind of lost, not knowing what I was going to do. I decided I wasn't going to go to medical school. And the next natural thing for me was how can I be involved with people and be able to make a difference? And at the same time, I had parents who were now really disappointed. I wasn't going to medical school and uh, I had enough classes and credits where I could actually take the LSAT and then and go to law school. And, and so the, the truth is I never knew I wanted to practice law never even thought of being a lawyer until I really got to that point where I was at a crossroads on what I was going to do with my life and, and my future. And so going to law school provided me so many different ways to be able to engage in people in their daily lives, to make a difference in so many different practice areas. And ultimately that was really what, what drove me to law school. You know, it's, it's interesting that you say that and you, you and you talk a lot about people. And, and first, I would challenge you. I know you would have crushed it as a doctor. You know, you're an entrepreneur. You're very su successful. You have a core value at Torque Law Firm. It's it's representing the people. 
what role does empathy and trust play in connecting with clients? We have core values in the firm because I really believe in being authentic, being your true self. And that's where you can really make a difference. And, and you're absolutely right. Like for me, it's just who I am. I like people generally, but more importantly, think about the differences that you could make in someone's life and how fulfilling that could be. And, and I tell the staff here to the point of, you know, they don't even want to hear me say it anymore, but our core purpose at our firm is we change people's lives and it happens every day. And I have clients from 12 years ago, 14 years ago, who still text me on Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's who say, without you, we would not be at this table right now. Without you, our life could not have moved forward. And no matter how big or small the case, knowing that we're able to play even a small role in helping someone, in giving them peace, in walking them through what is probably the worst time of their lives, being there for them, I can't think of a more fulfilling thing to do with my own life. And when you talk about people, you apply it to the firm as well. And I never did that. You know, for me at the firm, I knew people were important and I just didn't know how to find them and how to keep them. You know, and I talk about this in my, in my upcoming book, but I cleared house one day. I mean, I, I lost half the staff because they were the wrong people. And having these core values in place, having the right people is what's really going to push you far, right? For us at Torquelaw, we wouldn't be where we are without our people. We wouldn't be where we are without our clients. And it's not about one person or one ideology or one vision. It's really, if you share these core values, you share these core beliefs, you truly in your heart are authentic, right? Because there's a lot of people that are out there who say, we care about the people, we care about the community, but are full of shit. And guess what? People know when others are inauthentic and people know when it's not truthful. And then on the flip side, they know when it's real and when it's genuine. And, and that really makes a difference. Cleaning house when values and talent are not aligned can be challenging for any manager. I wanted to know, once the values of a firm have been identified, how can owners ensure they are communicated to the new hires? We have five core values at our firm right now. We share them at the beginning of every meeting, in every email that goes out to the staff, and we incorporate these core values, and I'll read them to you. Radical authenticity. So be yourself, you know, be genuine. Don't talk behind people back. Don't create drama. You know, just be radically authentic. Striving for the win, that means you're committed to success. You're committed to your own success at this firm, but you're also committed to winning your cases and doing a good job for your clients. Respect for each other. That goes back to the drama. You got to respect everybody. Defense counsel, insurance adjusters, your teammates, growth mindset. We have a, a full-fledged training program now installed and we have it in place at the firm, but it takes that person wanting to learn, wanting to grow, being committed to growth, being committed to getting better every day. These are core values. And our last one is unwavering integrity. Do what you say and say what you do. So we've got these five and everything that we do, every decision that we make from the top of the organization down to the bottom revolves around these core values. Okay. And we talk about them 
all the time. We have a point system we use where you can recognize other teammates for what they've done well. And in order to actually give them these points, you have to include some of these core values and how they tie into that description. So now, how did I get here is the bigger question. Again, I, I talk about this in my book. I had gotten to a point with Torque Law where we were experiencing unbelievable growth and we were looking to hire people. And this is how we did it. We posted a job posting on all the job boards, get thousands of resumes back and you pick a few, you look at the resume. This is how we did it. If they had worked for a competitor, they would automatically get an interview because we assumed incorrectly that if someone worked for a competitor, that they know what they're doing. Or if they had some legal background, we'll bring them in for an interview. They'll interview with us. They'll interview well. And we just hire them on the spot. And we did that for years. And we kept bringing people in without giving any thought to, is this the right person or not? And so we'd gotten to a point, I think we were 25, 30 people. And there was nonstop fires I was putting out. I was dealing with personnel issues. I had this revolving door of just complaints. It just got to a point where it was too much for me. And it was either I was going to stop and I was going to shut the firm down or I was going to do something about it. And so it wasn't all roses and easy. It was a very, very stressful period. It was a very stressful time. And as a business owner, you know, as someone who invested everything that I had in this firm, it was an incredibly challenging time. And I look back now and I'm like, wow, that, that was a really, really tough time. It, it was not easy to get through, but I only had one other choice, right? It was, it was either make this work or maybe go back to <laughs> try to go to medical school. Right. You know, I took some huge risks. I made some huge investments in the firm and ultimately it was myself. I, and what I didn't appreciate then that I do now is what am I tolerating? Am I tolerating bad behavior? Because in a way, if you tolerate bad behavior, you're essentially endorsing that internally. And I didn't realize or really appreciate the power of, you know, it really starts from the top down. And so do as I do, not as I say. And that's really transformed our organization from where we were, which was a very, very challenging and difficult time. And I, I got to applaud you for taking action. And I've, I've heard the saying, it's, it goes something along the lines of anything worth having doesn't come easy. And I'm sure that your hiring processes have changed, right? Instead of you know cherry picking from the resumes, I'm sure you have processes that intentionally look for these values that are shared to try to get the right people on the bus and the wrong ones off. You know, Chris, this is the most important thing we do now. And you're right. It's a whole process. And, and I'll, I'll tell you some of it and how this works. So first of all, we went from the position of, hey, let's find reasons why to hire someone to actually shifting that the other way around. Let's find reasons not to hire someone. And in doing so, we set up a, a funnel for hiring. So now a job post goes up. And in the middle of the description, it says, if you apply to this job through this listing, you will automatically be disqualified. If you are interested, call this phone number. Guess what? It weeds out 99% of the people who are just clicking and applying to every job out there. So 
we get rid of a lot of people that you don't want anyways, people who are not paying attention, who are not diligent, who are not really into or really committed to getting this job. And the other thing is when you look at some of our, our career pages and our, our job postings, we're really marketing ourselves. We're marketing our firm. We're showcasing what it is that our firm can do for you, what it is that we do for the community. And, you know, by and large, most people want to do good and they want to be a part of something that is giving back to the community. So we show those things off. And so, you know, recruiting is marketing for sure. And for us, we've, we've set up this funnel to disqualify people. And so after they call that phone number, they'll hear my voice and I'll give them some other instructions on what to do next. And most people won't do that. But the people that do, then they'll get an opportunity to do an interview, which is a one-way interview. We still haven't touched this candidate yet. They do it online at their leisure on their phones or computers, and they do a one-way interview. So we get to then see them in real time, live, and how they present, how they speak, are they articulate? Do they are they put together? Did they put thought into what they're wearing? Did they put thought into what's in their background? And if they didn't do those things, they would get disqualified. And as the funnel goes down, you get less and less candidates. We have them take cognitive testing, personality tests, and by the end of it, that candidate really, really wants the job right? And if they've made it that far, but you now know that person, you know, almost everything about them. And only then can you really decide, is this person someone I'm going to bring in my organization and invest time and money into and someone that's going to help me grow or not? And it's not perfect, but it is significantly better than what, how we used to do it. For firms looking to create a funnel similar to Reza's tools like SparkHire, go a long way to keep recruits organized and distinct from one another. I wanted to know what cognitive and personality tools Reza uses to find the right hires. So the first one we do is the Wonderlic, which is what the NFL uses to test its players. We do the Colby and we do the print. So at, at the end of the day, leverage can be created in a number of ways, right? You can get software, you can... You know, there's there's processes, efficiencies, there's outsourcing. And if you want to grow, you have to have people. You got to get more bodies. So based upon your growth, you know, you've got 12 offices in nine states. You may have more offices than that. What have you seen in terms of like scale in regards to the people side? Our firm is still virtual. So we went home when COVID shutdowns came. And we never came back with the exception of our reception staff who handles incoming and outgoing mail. Essentially, we've got, you know, 60 something home offices set up all over the country. And it's getting more and more challenging to find the right candidates. It is. We're also having a hard time finding the number of applicants that would take to find that gem. But you're right, Chris, without people and then without the right people, you just can't scale. It's impossible, in my opinion, to scale without the right people. And I'll say it again, because I truly believe this, without the people we have in this organization, we wouldn't be where we are. We've got a full-time recruiter who's helping us look for candidates. We've got a head of people who's helping us look for candidates. And it's really finding those gems and holding out until you find those people, right? The biggest hiring mistakes I've ever made, and sometimes I continue to make them, 
is hiring out of desperation because I want to scale so badly and so quickly. Every single time I've done that, I've paid for it. And so, you know, try to be patient and go outside your comfort zone. For me, it was never an issue to have people working remotely. And I get that question all the time from attorneys. Well, how do you know they're actually doing the work? How do you know? Well, look, we got systems in place. We have KPIs in place where if someone is slacking, we're going to know. We're going to know immediately. And so I trust my staff and I trust that they'd prefer to have a better quality of life working from home on a kind of flexible schedule, not having to commute. I want that for my life. I like that flexibility and I want to give that to my teammates. And so I know a lot of folks are hesitant to allow remote working, but my advice to you is give it a shot. But before you do, have those systems and processes in place where you can look and look at the productivity. If you've got case managers or legal assistants, well, there's things that you could track. How many medical records were ordered? How many medical records were received? How many demands were sent out that week? And you can compare by each role, how every individual is doing. And when you see the same person at the bottom of that list every week, our report comes out once a week on Mondays. You got a person at the bottom week after week, then you do some coaching, maybe you do some training. And then at that point, if that doesn't work, well, you know, maybe you got the wrong person. And I like those KPIs too, because it, it makes it objective versus subjective. Obviously, it takes better communication and, and delegation skills to do the remote type of work, but they're just tremendous advantages like you highlighted. I think some of the marketing that you do is is really exciting and unique. And we had Mark Anajar on, he talked about the holy trinity of advertising was TV, radio, and digital. Broad, big picture, what's your kind of thoughts on marketing channels for biz dev? Yeah, look, I think all marketing and advertising works, period. Okay. I think it all works. I mean, you put enough money into TV, it's going to work. You put enough money into radio and billboards, digital, it's going to work. The big question is, what does it cost to acquire a case? And what are you willing to pay for it? I know my number and what I'm not willing to exceed. And so if for me, TV cost per acquisition of a case exceeds X, because I know the numbers of my average settlement, I know my numbers of my average fee, I know what I'm willing to pay. There's always going to be somebody out there, a competitor, who's willing to pay more for a case. I decided a long time ago, I'm not going to go dollar for dollar to compete for cases. I'm going to look for places to spend our money where we can acquire cases for the least amount of spend. And I believe that since day one, I believe that today, I think it's gotten a lot more expensive over the last 18 months to acquire cases. It's gotten a lot more competitive for us. I think some of the changes with the tracking with Facebook uh, has made it more challenging to identify your potential clients and, and folks who are in need at that right time. But look, it, it all works. You, you find the right channel. Your messaging has to be right. Your branding has to be right. And authenticity, again, it comes through. It comes through your advertisements. It comes through, you know, if you're doing community events, and for me, I love digital. I think digital is biggest bang for your buck. You can compete with the biggest spenders in digital today if you wanted to, and you don't necessarily have to be spending hundreds of thousands of dollars. I couldn't agree more. It's, it's those impressions. And I think Gary Vee talked about, you know, marketing arbitrage, right? Well, if nobody's doing LSAs, you're going to get cheap 
cost per acquisition. But then everybody floods in and it increases and then everybody moves to the different channel and the different channel and the and the channels change. So if you stay in that one channel, then the cost of the case, it just may rise astronomical and you have to try other things. And I do think they all work together. There's continuity, you know, digital still largely a phenomenal channel from a variety of, of methods, SEO or pay-per-click or LSA or social or what have you. You know, one of the things that I see you guys do a great job at, and I think it, it complements the values too, is the, I think in your words, you refer to it as like the guerrilla marketing, like the grassroots marketing. So maybe if we could just touch on that briefly, I think, I think I saw a video of you, you're at like a motorcycle event or, or something, but it's like, you're enjoying yourself, but you're a part of the community. Yeah, absolutely. One thing, and I'll talk about that. I've been practicing for 15 years now and I still have this same issue of what channel is working best right now. And it's ever changing and it's never going to be one source or one channel that remains that way for a long time. And you're absolutely right. LSA ads, when they first came out, we were crushing it on there. Now everybody's on there. Pay-per-click was the same way. I mean, we could get cases for a few hundred bucks back in the day. And so I think this is going to be an ever forever problem that us PI attorneys will have. So part of that, part of what we're always trying to do is, you know, what's the next most creative thing that we can do that others aren't doing currently? And so when we go out to the community, our biggest cases truly come from referrals, either other attorneys, past clients, or folks that know us from the community. And so, you know, we talk about being authentic. Well, giving back to the community is is part of one of our truly, truly core purposes, And we do it because it's amazing to be out there in front of folks. It's amazing to meet these incredible people from the community. So you're right. That interaction is really, to me, priceless. So, A, I believe in doing that, whether it produces cases for us or not. And that's the truth. And we're not out there saying, hey, send us your cases. We're out there saying, hey, we're going to have a Taco Tuesday. Let's all get together and have a good time. And we're going to pick up the tacos. Let's get together and compare motorcycles. And the reason motorcycles for us is we do a lot of motorcycle cases every year. And we were just naturally pulled into that community. So when we're out there doing this, what guerrilla marketing, it's really, you know, you got a handful of folks that are doing it, maybe a little bit, maybe not. You know, I wouldn't say it's as competitive as as pay-per-click or TV advertising, but it truly is one of those unique ways that I think everybody can replicate this. This is There's no mystery about what we're doing. We're doing community events, but we're really authentic and genuine. And it's, it's going to be here for us forever. We've been doing it for years and years and years. And we see so many law firms come in, they'll do one or two events, and then they'll, be, they'll disappear because they give up because it's not an authentic play for them. So the only thing I tell your audience is find your uh, what drives you authentically and genuinely so that you're truly enjoying doing it. Because if you're doing it just to get a case, just to make money, it's going to come off totally inauthentic. And people just do not appreciate that, especially if you decide motorcycles, which is fine. That community is very tight knit. They're very loyal. And, you know, if they know you're there for some ulterior motive to make a few bucks, you're, you're not going to get far. So, you know, whatever you choose to do, just be authentic about it, be genuine about it and know that it has to be a long play and something that you're willing to invest in, even if you're not getting a return on it immediately. I think that's a great piece of advice, especially in the long term, like it coming back and building 
relationship equity. Everyone talks about, I think Einstein said the eighth wonder of the world is compound interest. A lot of people think of it from a financial perspective, like in investing, but I think it's like you're building relationship equity. More and more individuals of the community start to recognize you, start to know your name, start to introduce you to other people. And it just builds and builds and builds. And then it has this, all this tremendous force behind it. You know, you're, you're totally right, Chris. And again, you know, if you're genuine, if you're a real person and you're, it's not bullshit, that network grows fast and you build a reputation being a good person, a good firm, a good lawyer, someone who's honest, who's transparent and who just wants to do good. Writing a book is a mammoth-sized project. Reza has already written one book and has a second on the way. So I wanted to know the motivation behind this undertaking. I wanted to, and the way my original book started, Accidents Happened, which there's two additions to it now, was clients would come in and they didn't know anything about the process of, of how a personal injury claim even works. And so we started making these couple of page booklets and giving it to clients. If they were in a car accident, they'd get the car accident one. If they were a bicycle accident, they get a bicycle accident one. And, you know, we ended up having so many different practice areas and injury types, we decided to make it a book. So now the client gets a book. And what does that do? Number one, it sets you as an authority. You actually wrote a book on your particular practice area. But number two, if you're competing for a case against your competitor down the street, well, you know, they're most likely going to hire the person who wrote the book on personal injury than they are someone who didn't. So for us, it was really a natural progression of what we were already doing for our existing clients. But we use that as a marketing tool to truly set us apart as the authority. And so a lot of our marketing copy, if you if you see it around or some of the, the remarketing and retargeting ads, you know, it's get a free book. We, we give it out for free. And you know, that really allowed me to realize the power of using different ways to set yourself apart, using different channels of advertising. That in itself is an advertising channel that we give out. And yeah, I mean, the, the impact of it is tremendous. And I still, to this day, you know, not only do we give the book out for free, but we offer it to potential clients for free, even if they don't want to retain us. And it goes a long way. And I have people who come back and thank me. I get emails almost daily, people who say, look, this is wonderful. Without this book, I wouldn't have gotten an XYZ. So, you know, again, a lot of goodwill, a lot of uh, excitement around it when somebody gets it. But yeah, the, the power of authoring a book is, is incredible. And so that was the consumer facing one. And then the one that will be released probably in April of this year it's called The Lawyer as CEO. And really the target audience could be any business owner, but I, I primarily wrote about my experiences um, in starting a law firm, running a law firm. And I share a lot of my mistakes. I share you know, a lot of the things that I did wrong and the approach that I now have to being a CEO of your law firm. Because look, at the end of the day, we're lawyers, but you're running a business. And if you own your firm, you're the CEO and you have to also run it as a business. And so I talk a lot about that. I'm not doing that for any monetary gain. I'm truly doing it because the impact that it could have on, on young lawyers who are just starting, on veteran lawyers who you know want more advice or insight. And, and for me, I'm a book junkie. You know, I've read so many different books that have made a tremendous impact in my life. One particular, John Morgan wrote, You Can't Teach Hungry. 
And I just remember I finished that book in one day, I couldn't put it down, but the impact that that had on my career was transformational. And so my aim with the book is number one, hopefully I could meet a lot more lawyers around the country who share some of the same values and ideas that, that I do. But number two is really to pay it forward and give back and hopefully have an impact the way that John Morgan's book did on me for their careers and, and their firms. I think you have so much to offer there. And I truly mean that. I think that's selfless too. The one thing is, is you're building up this relationship equity, right? Just natural being yourself. You don't know who's going to read your book, maybe every person, but it, you know, the person that it does have an impact later could come back, you know, tenfold. You could, they could maybe, maybe it not even be a case. Maybe they refer like, oh, you should work at Torque Law and they give you this great employee And I just think there's so many intangibles that come into that. Chris, you're absolutely right. And I never do anything and expect an immediate return. I think that's the wrong attitude to have in in life in general. And I also never give expecting anything in return. But I can tell you every time I have, you're right, it gets paid back tenfold. And it happens over and over and over again. And it's something very satisfying about being able to help someone, assist someone and make a difference in their lives the same way we do for our clients. And, you know, with, with our, our shared workspace, LawWorks, which I'm sitting in right now, it's the same idea is to build a community, a plug and play solution for lawyers, brand new and, and veteran senior lawyers, where we can all come together, collaborate, work on cases together, refer each other business and work on stuff. So ultimately it comes down to the people. Yeah. I, I think that's super smart case works with just access to individuals like yourself, where you're, you could have a coffee with an individual in the morning and they could be really struggling with something that, that you've experienced yourself. And just that, that casual conversation in the morning could just have a huge impact on a new firm. Oh yeah, totally. And, and you know, vice versa, I get to learn so much. I get to learn so much from these other lawyers from different practice areas or, or even PI lawyers. It's having that immediate impact on someone else and vice versa and having access to folks. Definitely. I want to circle back to the hiring. I just had kind of one thought that I, I kind of wanted to touch on just briefly. Your size, and, and you mentioned a couple key roles, like that recruiter, right? I, it makes me think of you know, college basketball, how they lose their starting five and then they got to replace them, their best people. So they got to have that recruiting list is at what stage, like when should you start considering the head of people, that HR manager and, and potentially the recruiting person, like how big, like when should they really start focusing on that? Yeah. Well, I think um, a big challenge and you touched on this earlier is, is being able to let go and delegate. Right. So for me, it was like, I don't want to do HR. I don't want to do recruiting. I, a, I wasn't good at it. And B, I just, I wasn't interested in doing it. And so, I, you know, I think once you get to a point where you don't have the time and your time is better used figuring out how to grow your practice or figuring out better operations and processes, once you realize that doing something you don't like, if it's HR or recruiting, once you realize that that's sucking more of your time, then it's time to hire somebody. The thing I'll say is don't be afraid of hiring people because of the number or the salary or the overhead or the additional payroll. If they're the right person, they will pay for themselves 100x. If they make your life easier, if they free up your time, if they take over tasks that 
you otherwise hated doing. And that makes you a better business owner, a better CEO, a better lawyer, a better husband, wife, father, then to me, that's the value there. So I, you know, when I first started, I was really afraid of hiring people. I didn't want the overhead. I didn't want the expense. I, I was so hesitant to do it. And I didn't, I held on to so many pieces of the operation longer than I should have. But yeah, I, I think the more you can find the right people to delegate tasks to, the sooner the better. Fantastic. Such a great piece of advice. And and Rez, I got I got one final question here. And this this has been like absolutely fantastic. You know, one final question, super broad. What's next for Torque Law? You know, we're growing. We're growing fast. I think we have some exciting marketing initiatives that are that we're going to be coming out this summer. So that's always exciting. We're looking at a couple of new states and practice areas to add. That's really exciting. I think you'll see Torque Law on the East Coast more prevalent. And maybe I'll start a podcast based on your advice. I I don't know. But, you know, one thing's for sure is my love for scale, my love for the process of growing. That's my passion, right? It's not, you know, we get to this goal and, and it stops, especially in this industry, you have to be evolving, you have to be changing continuously. And and that truly is where, where I love to live. And uh, I think you'll see Torque Law go through a transformation over the next couple of years. That's pretty exciting. In order to scale, you have to be willing to let go, hold out for the diamond in the rough hires and build the right systems to manage the growth. Through every stage of the process, identifying your firm's values will make a tough decision a little easier and help you reach your goals authentically. At the end of the day, it's all about the people you serve as a lawyer, an employer, and a community member. I'd like to thank Reza from Torque Law for sharing his story with us, and I hope you gained some valuable insights from the conversation. You've been listening to Personal Injury Mastermind. I'm Chris Dreyer. If you like this episode, leave us a review. We'd love to hear from our listeners. I'll catch you on next week's PIM with another incredible guest and all the strategies you need to master personal injury marketing.